we've got a, a really amazing situation. What a day in which to live. What amazing, an amazing day in which to live with the world in the shape that it's in, in the condition that it's in, our country in this um, kind of pivotal time that we're looking at. And um, today's uh, hot take that I'm, I want to share with you and have studied this week and I'm going to preach on is um, the three isms of the major uh, political um, philosophies in the world today. There's a lot of things in between. There's a lot of mixtures and blends. But I want to look at these three. And the three are communism, socialism, and capitalism. And um, I, th- this, this isn't a message... Um, I'm not even going to try and whip you up into jumping and into a frenzy of excitement and joy. It's a, uh, it's, it's a place. Uh, the, the thing I want to convey is uh, what's out there and, 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 and what the philosophies are and, and what is. And we're going to just look at that and, and in this treatment. Father, thank you for your presence, Lord, all the work that you want to do in us, both to bring you into your presence like you did this morning, but also, Father God, make fundamental changes in our hearts and our lives to solidify our witness and our stand in these days for you, to, to take a look at our own lives and, and uh, reaffirm our faith, reaffirm our belief, reaffirm our trust in you, our trust in your coming, your kingdom that's here and your kingdom that's coming. And Father God, we magnify you and we praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's jump right in and uh, then I'll have uh, room to go a lot of different places. First of all, what is communism? I got this right off the interweb, which of course is accurate in every way. Communism, it said, is an ideology that bases itself on the belief that the means of production in a society should belong to the state. Through central ownership, it aims for a classless society with economic equality between individuals. And the working phrase in communism is to each according to his need. Okay, so that's the, that's the um, wrapped up in a package, delivered to you philosophy of communism. Okay, the stated intent. The next ism is what is socialism? Socialism is, broadly speaking, a political and economic system in which property and the means of production are owned in common, typically controlled by the state or government. Socialism is based on the idea that common or public ownership of resources and means of production leads to a more equal society. And the working phrase in socialism is, to each according to his contribution. So in communism, to each according to his need, and in socialism, each according to his contribution. Those are the, those are the solid uh, uh, textbook definitions, okay? The final ism that I'm going to be talking about this morning is what is capitalism? This is um, American capitalism that I'm talking about, but the definition here is capitalism refers to an economic system where businesses, resources, goods, and labor are owned by private entities. In such an economy, the role of the government is limited to regulation and monitoring. This system of economy prioritizes production and profits. So there's the textbook definitions of those three right there. And they, um, I'm not asking you for, for um, judgment of those uh, textbook definitions. I would ask you to just look at those and consider them and say, and, and think to yourself, oh, that looks pretty good. 
Oh, that looks pretty good. Oh, no, I don't like that one. If you look at those just basic written definitions, I don't think you can say that that doesn't look good. I mean, to each according to his need. Who doesn't think that that's a good idea, that all the needs are provided? To each according to his contribution, that brings in this idea that everybody has to participate and everybody has to be a part. And in capitalism, where, um, where we receive benefit from what we invest, and, and if we invest more, we get back more, you in that definition are, are the labor part, typically some of you are business owners, but, um, but there's a provision for each one. And in a, in a laboratory or in a perfect world, I think each of those would, uh, would uh, be okay, and I'll de- develop that as I go. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about after those definitions is uh, the way of the rulers of the world. So now when we take the definition, where we run into trouble is in the practical application in the world in which we live. And that's where it gets interesting. So to, to look at that, I want to I have you turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8, I'll wait while you push the buttons on your electronic Bibles. Or if you have a paper one, that would be good too. I'm holding this one in my hand so you'll know that I got it from the Bible. I highlighted it right there. Probably I'll read from my notes, but here it is. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Here's a situation in a condition where um, Samuel is uh, Samuel the prophet who was under Eli and raised up and grown up. And Samuel holds a real particularly... Um, unique place in Old Testament scripture because, because um, he's both, it's not in the days of judges, it's the pre-judges time, but Samuel is both a judge and a prophet in the land and they look to him, Israel looked to him for leadership. And um, so they're going along and they're under Samuel's leadership and others who are under him. But it came to pass um, that when he was old, uh, uh, that he made his sons judges over Israel. And his, he didn't do a good job transferring his holiness to his sons or his responsibilities. They were, they were not doing a good job. Um, it says in verse three, his sons didn't walk in his ways and turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and they perverted judgment. I could preach a message off of that and use what's going on in our nation today as an example of that. But this sets up this um, scenario where in, in verse four, uh, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, look, you are old. That's not very nice, is it? You are old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And so there's two things going on wrong here. Number one, uh, Samuel's sons who are going to take over judging and ruling aren't doing a good job. And number two, the people say, look, if you're not doing a good job, we, we want what the other nations have. We want a king like the other nations. Okay, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give to us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Verse 7, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they have said to you. This is interesting. He says, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. You see, Israel had a unique situation in that 
God himself was ruling over them and telling them what to do, measuring their successes and failures. And they were paying the price for their successes or paying the price for their failures. And verse 8 says, According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me, God is speaking, and served other gods, so they are now doing also to you. Now therefore heed their voice, listen to them. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. <coughs> so here's, here's the thing. The, the problem with all these isms, or the problem in the practical application of these isms, isn't the ism, it's the people who are going to apply the isms to those who are under them. And so Samuel, he shared all the words that the Lord uh, told him to tell the people who were asking for a king. Starting in verse 11, he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own, chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, and he'll set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves, and he'll give them to his servants. He'll take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys, and he'll put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. You will cry out in that day because your king, whom you have chosen for yourself, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. And so God, as he spells this out, he warns the people, this is what happens as you transition from my rulership over you to the rulership of other men. No matter how carefully you choose, no matter how much effort that you put into it, this, listen to me, is the nature of man. This is the nature of man. The sin nature in each of us, the sin nature in all of us, is that nature that Jesus came to destroy the power over and then invite us in to enter into a life of discipleship where we follow him and where we develop uh, uh, to learn to yield to him, to listen to him, and to obey him, not because he's a ruler like the men that he says will rule over them, but because he's a righteous ruler, he knows everything, he's a God that the Bible says doesn't just love, but is love. And so in this transition, in this understanding of that, that God is conveying to Samuel, that Samuel conveyed to the people, what he is telling them <clears throat> in this specific way is that there is a sin nature that is at work in this world that you need to factor in. And listen, we need to factor that sin nature. We need to factor that... Um, um, fallibility of man into every leadership element that we see. I know we're all surprised when this man of God or this woman of God turns their back and walks away from God. We're surprised. I'm telling you, the greater the, 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 them walking away isn't the greatest surprise in the world. Them, people walking away from God isn't the greatest 
um, amazement in the world. You know what the greatest amazement in the world is? Is that you ground your faith and settle your faith in Jesus Christ so powerfully and so strongly that you serve God all the days of your life. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. And I'm not talking about where we have a bad day or where our faith ebbs and, and, and flows. It rises and lowers. I'm not talking about that. That's part of that mechanism that goes on in our life. But don't be surprised. I'm not saying expect it. Pray against it. Don't be surprised when leaders fail you. Don't be surprised when leaders are flawed. Don't be surprised when leaders don't don't fall in, in in all categories that you believe they should fall in. We are fighting a war against this world. We are fighting a war against the gods of this world. And, and, and the power of God to keep you, the power of God to give you victory, the power of God to help you walk every day in faith and in power is the greatest miracle there is in existence. And you participate in that miracle when you say yes to him. So if we look at the isms, these three isms with man's sin tendency in mind, this is the working comparison. So we look at communism. And communism, we, and, and as I read the different resources, they, they, some had Russia and communism and some in socialism and, and different countries and different here. So <clears throat> for you, for you um, um, dividers and, and, and understanders, I might have these in the wrong categories and you can just let that go and not dismiss the whole message because I don't have them in the right categories. But So in communism, I put Russia, China, and North Korea. And so the, um, the, the working definition of um, the means of production society belong to the state through central ownership, class of society, to each according to his need, I would ask you, how, that's, how is that going for them? If you've seen anything, if you're not living under a rock and you look at, I think, the worst example of those three, North Korea, you see, you hear stories about people who have escaped and people are eating, they're, they're pulling grass out of the ground and eating it. There's, there's not food, there's not provision, they're not supplying, they're not providing for their people. But that pudgy little leader, he looks the picture of health. You know, he's eating, we know that, okay? And the, those that are in his group around him, they're doing well. And, and those that are in favor with him are being provided for. But we see that in communism, the pollution of the sin nature of man among those who lead and those who control is clearly evident. Their people are suffering. Their people are dying. Their people are not being taken care of. Well, yeah, but what about the definition? We don't have a... We don't have a nation in the world that's under communism that lives up to that definition. And the reason is very simple and the reason is central. The sin nature of man. And you say, well, if I was the leader there, it would be different. Everybody would be taken care of. No, you'd be assassinated by the first week and someone else who wanted power and wanted authority and wanted riches and wanted to be the boss of that world would then be in charge. So good try. Okay, the next one. Socialism. I don't know. Venezuela, Cuba, Syria. Syria was mentioned. I don't know what you'd call Syria, so we'll call it socialism, okay? Do these look like to you 
to each according to his contribution? No, no. Why? Because of the very same reason, the very same reason. Wicked men, greedy men, and when I say men, I mean mankind, get in and they find their, their, <coughs> their connections of power, their streams of power, their streams that benefit themselves off of the back of the people of the land. And so they're suffering. So now, so do these look like to each according to his contribution? No, it misses the mark. Why does it miss the mark? Because the definition's flawed? No, because people are flawed because of the sin nature of man. And we don't even need to just look at today. We can look at all through history. So now we come to the one that's perfect, the one that's great, the one that's wonderful, right? Capitalism. There are many capitalist countries in the world, but the USA is the leader. So how do you think capitalism is working here today? Well, the negatives include greed, selfishness, power-hungry maneuvering, and more. I, I have a wonderful son-in-law that's from Sweden, and my daughter and, and, and son-in-law are Swedish citizens, and they're American citizens. And we have heard, you, you have heard Sweden being touted as a, a, a great socialist um, example. And um, actually, it's more a blend of capitalism and socialism. But <clears throat> I'm telling you, if, if Sweden has any successes at all, it's because of the nature of a Scandinavian person to follow the rules and not so much that the system is wonderful. They're more capitalists than they are socialists, but, but that's neither here nor there. But back to the United States. When we look at our, our recent history, the past 10, 15, 20, 30 years, 40 years even, we look at the failures of capitalism. They don't have to do with the textbook definition of the system. They have to do with greed. They have to do with power-hungry individuals. They have to do with intertwining and intersectioning of people with, with agendas that aren't to care for the people or to serve the people. We're, 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 we're in a time where it's just so confusing and it's hard to defend capitalism because of the picture that our government is presenting in the world today. Capitalism wasn't intended to function the way that it functions in the soup of greed and, and self-serving and cheating and, and all of these things. I would suggest to you that it still holds the best hope for freedom in the world because of a particular mechanism baked into the system. That's what I'm going to talk about a little bit now. This mechanism is what manages the carnal tendencies of man and this mechanism was inspired by God. I feel confident in saying that. This mechanism is called checks and balances. And it holds the leaders in our nation to account when it's working correctly. It stops working correctly when they throw in together and, and, and have, a, have a unified agenda where the sin nature comes forward in abusing power and abusing authority. The reason why it's it's um, the reason why that I believe that it's preferred in our world today is because I believe that God inspired our founding leaders and and even our slogan and the phrase that was that was early adopted and then reestablished later on in our country's history 
is that um, in God we trust. We see it on our money. We see it in the slogans. We see it in the phrases. But we have elements and we have parts and pieces that are in our nation that give evidence of God being involved in it. First of all, our Constitution is really a divine instrument for freedom and order. It spells out the positions and processes for our amazing history of governance. The division of power in our nation is divinely established to keep any one person or party from abusing governing authority over the people of the country. It's the thing that's put in place to keep in check the sin nature. Because you've got one group checking and balancing another and each one, and each one accomplishing that for the other. The, the, the divisions of the executive branch the legislative branch and the judicial branch, along with the divisions of Senate and the House of Representatives in the legislative branch. It's a machine of checks and balances that hinder any one power from becoming lord and master. Unless you conservatives think that you're on the righteous side of it, there's been times where conservatives have ruled and reigned and where greed has ruled and reigned because of it. There have been times where, where um, I'll, I'll just say the left and the right, and you, can, you have different definitions for that. But the left and the right, they balance each other in our nation. T traditionally, and if you're, a, if you're a, a traditional Democrat, then your tradition holds you to care for the poor and care for the downtrodden and care for those and, 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 and a raised awareness against those who would take advantage of people. And that's, that's a good thing baked into a capitalistic culture, a capitalistic society. And in an in a environment of checks and balances, they hold the greedy in check. And likewise, on the, on the right side of it, you have those who are for uh, individual rights, those who are for moving forward, those who are for... Uh, on the right side, in, in, that def, in that defined capitalism, you have those who say, man, I, I, I don't just hope that I prosper. I hope everybody prospers. And I don't mind if you prosper over me. And I don't even mind if there's somebody in my country that's super really prospering. It's awesome, you know? But I don't want them taking advantage of people. And so, the, the, again, they hold each other in checks and balances. And where we get into trouble is where the whole system gets wonky. And folks, we're in trouble today. We're in trouble today. Because in that, in, that, um, in that environment of checks and balances where it's thrown off, I mean, I, I mean if you want hints or if you want to catch a whiff, let me, let me say it that way. If you want to catch a whiff of the time when, when the mark of the beast is here and whoever doesn't take the mark of the beast can't buy or sell, I can give you a whiff of that today. I can give you a whiff of it. Mike Lindell, whatever you think of him, the pillow man, he's um, gotten himself in trouble lately because um, he's done research and, and wants to bring charges against our last election and, and, and claims he has evidence to that effect, and just because he's pursuing that, it's not that it's been proven wrong. It's 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 out there, and he wants to he wants a, a day in court. He wants to bring forth the evidence, and so that's not my point. But this individual who has prospered in our country is bringing this forth, and he's bringing it forward with his own money. 
But the fun thing is, in our nation right now, the banks in Minnesota have canceled Mike Lindell. The banks in Minnesota? I thought the banks were there to make money in a capitalistic society. They're there, they're there to invest. They're there to trade. They're there to exchange. But the banks in Minnesota, because of Mike Lindell's politics, because Mike Lindell doesn't fall on the right side of the circumstances, have said, no, you can't bank with us anymore. And another one, you can't bank with us anymore. And I don't know who he's banking with now. But if you've been paying attention to the news, PayPal last week, oh, what a, what a juicy piece of news last week. PayPal decided to update their terms of service and PayPal decided that if you are guilty of misinformation, that they're gonna fine you with your money in PayPal, they're gonna fine you $2,500. So if you've got money in PayPal and you are involved in disinformation, then they can just go in there and they can just take their take $2,500 out of your account. Now, what is misinformation in this day? I mean, we're swimming in a sea of misinformation and disinformation. Your information is my misinformation, and my information is your misinformation. And who's going to decide and who's going to judge? They're not asking God to decide, and he's the only righteous judge. They're asking other men to decide. And so now corporations are involved back and forth. Ye, is it ye or yay? Yay, yay, formerly known as Kanye. Kanye this week, what, what did they jerk out from under him? Oh, his bank canceled him. His bank canceled me. You go, Kanye, Kanye's out in the world. He's making millions of money. Kanye has hinted to the world that he's crossed the line and stepped to the other side and accepted Jesus as his savior. And I'm not mocking that. I'm praying yay, Yay. <laughs> yay, yay. I'm praying for yay. I'm saying yay, yay. Famous people, I tell you, don't rejoice over the fall of famous people if they, if they fall away from the Lord. Rejoice if they make a confession. Now go ahead and keep an eye on their life. You can if you want. You can, you can, you can measure this and measure that or whatever. Yay is out there. He's easy to see. But I'm telling you, folks, pray for those who are famous and who step into the light and say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Pray for them that that life that they lived before doesn't draw them away and take them away. But yay was debanked this week. They're debanked. They're de-twittered. They're de-everything. Okay, so I told you I'd give you a whiff. This is the whiff of the smell of you not being able to buy or sell. And if you want to look down out into the future, we look at China, who right now has a system in place where if you don't say the right things and do the right things and toe the line, they observe it on the cameras, they observe it in the internet, they're all over your business. And the, the, the mechanism and the system in place for a, a, a government to be all over your business is right there in my holster for quick draw if there wasn't a if there if there wasn't a microphone thing hanging there here it is here it is they know they can know everything they want to know about me right here why because i'm addicted i'm addicted to the web i don't have to i don't have to count on my fingers anymore because of this 
I don't need the Encyclopedia Britannica anymore because of this, although I can pull up the Encyclopedia Britannica right here. The world's knowledge is at my fingertips here. How awesome is that? This is just, this is just such a good example of what's going on. Let me, let me get off on the side here. In righteous hands, in, in redeemed man's hands, what a powerful tool. What a good thing. But it's a neutral tool. It's a tool that the world uses as well. So what I'm saying is you're already catching a whiff of how this, this control is going to be out there. And, it's, it, and our checks and balance systems are really, really out of whack. This week, last, this last week in the news, they, um, the FBI raided the homes, I think it was of 10, something like 10 pro-life protesters who, if I've got my facts straight, the details might not be exact, but I'm going to give you what I remember from hearing it yesterday. One year, about a year ago, many months ago, they did a sit-in protest at an abortion clinic. And from that sit-in protest at that abortion clinic, they were arrested this week. And they were arrested from different parts of the country. The FBI came to this leader's home. His kids were ready to go to school, I guess. We're outside. And he called them in and they banged on the door, guns drawn, full, full FBI storming, storming in their intimidation tactics, tactics and arrested him on a misdemeanor charge, misdemeanor of some uh, um, hindering, hindering the business, hindering access, Okay. But because they want to give it more punch, that, that's like uh, some thousands of dollars in 10 years maximum for that event. Now, we're not even going to talk about compared that event to any other events that people are getting set free on. But, but they've also tacked on or are considering tacking on a charge of conspiracy to blah, 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 which would turn it from a misdemeanor to something greater I don't know if it's a felony or not, but make it go from 10 years to 25 years for protesting and blocking access to an abortion clinic. Now, why is the FBI doing this? I don't know. I don't know why. We haven't, they haven't been able to understand. They haven't been able to investigate. They haven't been able to do that. <clears throat> but I'm talking about the system, the capitalistic system that the democracy that, that I think is still gives us still the best chance in the world because of checks and balances. And those checks and balances have to be in place for things to work. So there's the three, and there's a comparison of the three. Now, I want to give you a, a picture of each of these three with an ideal ruler, with an ideal leader, with, with someone who's righteous and someone who's good and someone who knows everything. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. Communism with the ideal ruler. Then comes the end. When, God de when, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to the rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who puts all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself also will be subject to him who put all things under him that God may be all in all. 
So what magnificent ruler am I talking about that'll make communism perfect? God himself. When it's all over, when it's all done, when you're in heaven, it's not gonna be democratic. It's not a democracy. You're not gonna vote. I don't know, maybe they'll do votes about color of your mansion or something. I don't know, maybe you can ask your family members. But God is gonna rule supreme. God is gonna reign supreme. And what puts in place his ability to do it? His perfection, his perfection. He knows all, he sees all, and his mind and his heart are toward your good. We can lean on that, we can rely on that, and we can rest in that. Well, let's look at socialism in an ideal setting. Acts 2, 40 through 47. I've heard this quoted over the years, and I think it's true. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them. I think this is Peter saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one another in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So we see a, an occasion, an instance in the book of Acts where people got saved, a large number of people, and they threw in together, and by the Spirit of God, they had all things in common and threw in together. It didn't last very long, but it was a good start, and it was a good picture, and it's a good idea. But the nature of man, the sin nature of man, always seems to creep in and mess things up. So we, but we do have a brief example. Unfortunately, those examples don't hold. How about ideal capitalism? Well, it would have to be adherence to the Constitution. It would have to be a strict practice of the separation of powers. It would have to be submission to God, one nation under God. And it's not looking too good right now. Because men are in charge. Because people are in charge. Because there is a tendency, and that tendency would be a temptation to you if you were in that place. If it were just me, then it wouldn't be. I don't know. The enemy, he knows. He knows how to tempt. He knows how to draw away. He knows how to distract. He knows how to get your eyes off the eternal. Even though Jesus said, even though the word of God says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, you likewise run with patience the race that's set before you. Not that sprint, but that marathon race. It's not looking too good in any of these <coughs> three big isms. And I hear heaven tapping me on the shoulder. These, John 6.33 says, these things I have spoken to you, that in you, me you, you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So here we are today, and here's my exhortation to you this morning. Establish your heart in the word of God. Establish your heart in the household of God. Establish your heart in the truth of God. 
Do not be led in temptation to the left or to the right. See what I did there? But pursue God and establish yourself in him, setting your eyes on the promise that he has for you. 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13 says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of God? because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'm reading a book right now that talks about um, post-World War II Russia and the countries that were around Russia, Czechoslovakia and and all the Vakias that were around there, and the church that was there at the time, and the church, much of the church was deceived into embracing communism because it looked so good and it promised so much. But those who were in tune with God began to pray, and the Spirit began to warn them, prepare, prepare, prepare. And what they did was they would get together in households. They would get together two or three. The preachers who, who that burden was laid upon would share in the churches and preach. Prepare yourself. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't look to man. Don't lean on man. Don't lean on the hand of man, but fortify yourself in the Lord God. And that's what I'm telling you to do today. Don't be swayed by the promises in this direction and don't be swayed by the negatives in this direction. But pursue God and set your eyes on him. I know that that's a big phrase and a big thing. But seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And that, that scripture passage that says that, if it were interpreted more accurately or more precisely, if you look into it, it says seek with a priority. Seek, it doesn't say seek only, but it says seek with a priority the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And that's my admonition to you today. We're coming up here on an election pretty quick. All of you that are old enough to vote, vote. All of you that, that it's legal for you to vote, vote. And if it's not legal for you to vote, then do what it takes to become legal to vote and vote, vote, and vote for the, the he, he, I'm going to tell you who to vote for. Vote for, vote for those who speak in righteousness. Vote for those who you perceive are speaking the truth. Vote for those who, who you believe in your spirit. Pray about it, who aren't greedy and who aren't after, who aren't after in, the influence or the praise of man. Pray and participate in promoting righteousness in our city, state, and country. Be that person that people look to. Here's a thing, here, here's a thing that, that settled so strongly. You know, some of you are outspoken, and you're not afraid to be outspoken. Be outspoken. But most of you, you you're not an outspoken person. You're not going to go stand in the mall and say, Hear ye, hear ye, thus saith the Lord. But commit to this one thing. Don't participate in lies. Don't participate 
in lies. And I'm not going to go down my pet peeve list, but if it's a lie, don't participate. Say no. And if they ask you why, tell them why. All of you, each of you, don't participate in lies. This is your resistance. This is your resistance. Because as you resist, you'll bring the light to other people. And I'm not saying we're going to save our nation. I'm not prophesying which way things will go. Jesus could come tomorrow. But I'm saying in this culture that you're called to, uh, to reflect the light in the life of Jesus, don't participate in lies. If you'll do that, say amen. Amen. Good. Don't be discouraged or derailed by the failures or disappointments of man, but be a good example of obedience to God in that way. And number three, that's number three. I did one and two. You didn't know it. Number three, don't lean on governments. Don't lean on governments. Don't put your hope in governments. Don't put your faith in governments. Participate, but don't lean on them. Don't lean on them. Don't look to them to be your salvation. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Stand to your feet with me, will you? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. I know this wasn't a message that, that was kick up your heels kind of message. It wasn't a message to get everybody all excited, but it was a message for rooting, for grounding, for establishing you for the times that we're in today. There is hope and his name is Jesus. There is power and his name is Jesus. There is a future and his name is Jesus. Heavenly Father, right now, thank you for your people. <clears throat> thank you for your righteousness put on display in their lives. Right now, I want the prayer uh, team workers to come to the altar right now, please. Don't hesitate. They're going to be standing stretched across here. And I know although this was a, this was a uh, kind of a civics lesson message, there's still people here who need prayer. Just like we prayed for William, there's people here who need prayer for finances. There's people here who need prayer to get a job. There's people here who need prayer to get out of a job, I, whatever it is. There's multiple needs, multiple needs. It's so good for you to take just a few minutes and come and have someone agree with you in prayer. There are miracles that are done every week as we've asked God. So Heavenly Father, right now as we dismiss from this place, Lord, we ask you to clothe us with righteousness, clothe us with wisdom, clothe us with your direction and your influence so that we can draw people into that kingdom that will never end. The king that will, that will have authority and rule, that will rule in righteousness and perfection. We bow our hearts, we bow our minds, we bow our spirits to the living God. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, come. If you don't need prayer, visit out in the foyer. I'm glad you were here today. Praise God.